moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Previously on Cascading Leadership. What was the next step and the next iteration of your life? I was working in my six months of internship program. There is a company, Unilever, like it's a very famous company from England. Unilever has an office in India. So they had this sales conference and they were having the sales conference in my hotel. And I was part of this event management. So I was asked to manage their conference for a week. I did the management. I was making sure I have all the knowing their, all the participants' names and making sure they feel comfortable, taking care of their, their food and all these supplies and everything. So after three months, the VP, the vice president of that on Unilever, he said, we would like to have the meeting back in this hotel, but we would like the beer to manage it. But I was not in the F&B at that point of the time, in the food and beverage department to manage an event. I was in the kitchen department. And he was like, if she's not the one managing it, he told my general manager, if she's not the one managing it, we're gonna go and go to the other, another property of your hotel. So that was like a very like eye-opening and it was a learning experience for me where I ended up learning like whatever work you do, you give your 110% to it so that people like for you. When he left, like I I ended up managing the second conference also, but he when he left, he actually gave me his card and he told me that we have finished up your education. I would like you to finish up your MBA in sales and marketing and reach out back to me. I never did, but that gives me some confidence and boost up your morale. Like, and that was more like a learning experience for me also, like where I learned whatever you do, it doesn't matter you like the task, you don't like it, but give your best shot. That's a really good story and lesson and mindset that, that it helped you frame. So how did that shape how you move forward into your future roles? And really one of the things that I'm really interested in hearing about, and I'm sure our, our listeners are too, how does somebody that starts off in hotel restaurant management end up in technology and doing all of these transformation efforts throughout their careers. And now the conclusion of this episode of Cascading Leadership. As Lorenza, so what after finishing up my college, I came back to, I worked for GE for a year or so. And at the same time, I finished up my bachelor's in arts. Like I, I was a major in political science student. So hotel management, bachelor's in political science, I also did my IT computer course at the same time and one year in BSc microbiology. So I'm all over the place and if you really see it. So after finishing that, I came back, I did my IT in computer science. I didn't get time to work in back in India because as soon as I finished my education, I got married and came to US. So that was like another like new beginning for me. And here when I came, I couldn't work because I didn't have visa. We were... My husband was on H1B and uh, I didn't have H4 or E to work on. So for five years, I really couldn't work, which was a frustrating period because you are in your 20s and late, late 20s and early 30s. And you want to like, you know, like you're wasting your time. But <clears throat> instead of looking at that point of view, I said, like, maybe I have time. I need to continue my education and learnings. 
So what I, I did a lot of volunteering at the point of a time. And uh, again, I continued with my IT education. And here, my husband and my brother. So this is what I also say. You have to surround yourself with the positive people. People who can guide you, who can inspire you. Here, my family, my brother and my husband definitely helped me out. They were like, they were, and they both are programmers. So they started, you need to start looking into this testing field. So they pushed me and they said, okay, you should get some training in that. So while I was waiting and hoping that some miracle happened and we'll get our green card, I was continuously like doing my education. So I did that. And luckily, at that point of time, President Bush opened up a few slots. We got selected. I got my like ID, but I didn't have to wait for anything because I was I was prepared. So as soon as we got, I got my EAD, I applied for a job and I got a, uh, as a test consultant in the consultative form. So the message that I would like to send out to young people and whoever the listeners are is like, make sure you have connections, make long lasting connections and be prepared. You never know when an opportunity can end up in your lap. So always be prepared. So that's what happened. And uh, in 2008, I moved to GN, became permanent there. And the same thing, like so the I worked as a QA engineer for two, three years. And the same time, like an opportunity again landed in my lap when my boss suddenly moved to a new organization. And I remember it was Saturday. I was working on a testing cycle and project was a tight deadline. When my VP dropped by, what's your education qualification? Tell me about it. And I was like, I'm an MBA in HR and I have done this. One. So I was like, okay, send me a resume. And let's have an interview call on Monday. And I was like, you know, what the hell is going on? What's happening? Why suddenly he's asking me to give all that? It turned out before leaving, my boss actually proposed my name for his position. She's a candidate and you should like definitely interview her. So the other learning, another lesson that I learned then there was that apart from being prepared, make sure you have your advocates, right? Someone who can promote you when you are not in the room. You're 100% correct. We, this, we've hit this topic several times with other guests and you're exactly right. And I love that it, that you're talking about it organically, right? Like we didn't give you the lead in question or anything and that you have a great experience. And I think that is an ideal example of someone literally mentioning your name when you're not in the room who supports you because that handoff. So you've covered the whole idea of there, there was likely some mentoring that probably was involved in that relationship. But then it evolved to the point that the person was willing to say, not only is this person a good candidate, but actually handed off your name to the person that had the ability to put you into that position. And so the advice that you're giving to our listeners, I think, is solid because it is important to, again, talk about this networking and building and the whole relation of cultivating that is necessary in order to move your career forward. Lawrence, I think about it, but how do you make sure that somebody is advocating for you? Like, how do you build that up? Yeah, so yeah it's so all that's about a great question. Giving, how do you build that up? It's all about uh, creating that trust, doing, giving your 100% and accountable. I really value accountability. Whatever you, the task you're given, make sure you finish it up. And if even if you can't finish it up, you let the other person know, you know, the reasoning behind it. So you take the ownership of it, right? So when you do more than what has been asked what has been asked for from you, you ended up building that trust factor. One of the one of the most effective ways that you build the trust factor is communicating, right? Like you just said, the example is that, hey, you've been given an assignment. You may not be able to finish it, but 
being straightforward and say, hey, here's where I am with it, then that person, I mean, that endears people to, that endears one human being to another when we are transparent and we are saying, here's where I'm at. Because everybody else has been there, right, at some point in their career where you may not be able to follow through or there may be some extenuating circumstance. And if we're communicating what that is, as opposed to like maybe hiding it or not addressing it and then wait for the shoe to drop, then that's a whole nother conversation. This is a great lead into the meat of the conversation when we're talking about accountability, communication, trust. And to set the, the context, that was around the same time that you and I had met Divya was when I was already working with Yogi. Yogi had left and then uh-huh. it was abrupt. And then that's how you and I got connected. And it goes back to one of the things that you said earlier on in the conversation, which is you have to be deliberate about building longstanding relationships. But what I want to get to is at that time where you had somebody advocating for you without you being in the room, but the organization that you were with, GN Resound, was going through a pretty significant transformation. They were transitioning from a device-focused company to a customer experience-focused company. There were a lot of emerging technologies that were being brought into their ecosystem to expand their brand. There were broadening of the brand. So there was a lot of transformational changes going on. And you were one of the leaders within that organization that that, that were responsible for navigating those transitions. And that brings us to how you were able to pull this off. You couldn't have done it by yourself. So what did you do in terms of setting the stage for having a team and building a team that were that was able to deliver this highly complex tra- transformation that that just dropped into your lap? Friday, you're a lead. And Monday, you run all of the QA organization in the middle of a transformation. It sounds exciting. It wasn't exciting at all. So it has its share of challenges because now you are one step ahead of your peers. Like you are, and suddenly you are like in charge of them, right? So this shift has a potential of, I would say, impacting a team dynamics and a cause resentment easily. But it was imperative for me to put the right leadership strategies in place to make sure that my peers are on board with it and they support me as much as possible. So what I did, I started with by having my one-to-one meetings on a weekly, daily basis. I wanted to understand their desire. I knew like half of some of it, but I really wanted to keep deep dive to understand their desire, frustrations, how I will need their support to be successful in this position. And I really wanted them to see me as a right leader. So first thing as a leader is you have to be transparent as much as possible. I'm not saying you have to share every bit of thing with them, but making sure that you share your invulnerabilities, your weakness, your strength as a leader. And you also understand what is your team's strength, like each member's strength and weakness. So I ended up doing a SWOT analysis on my reports, if you say so. I make sure I keep them in loop. I was communicating more than ever. Every decision, what was being happening behind the doors, I wasn't telling them like everything but just the reasoning behind the decisions, like how it's going to impact the organization, where we are and where we need to go, why certain decisions are being made. All of it was just to make sure that they trust me and they understand I'm not somebody who's just just thinking about what's in it for me. It wasn't like that, which was really important. And the other thing that I made sure is 
I became a sounding board for them. I said, you might have a problem with anybody, everybody in the organization, how things are going on, the changes that are happening. But my room is a sounding board for you. Come in my room, you yell, you scream, you shout, however you want to take out that frustration, take it out. It's not going to go out of this room. But at the end of the day, just make sure that you feel okay. And anything that I can take care of you as a leader, I'll try my best. My motto is try to work on things which are in your control. Whichever is out of your control influence, just don't worry about it. So that will make you happy. So I think all of these things, and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't spending just time in the organization, but even with my team, but also outside the organization, just to see their personal life how they are with their families and everything. So I think all of that kind of like really paid off. I wouldn't say my team was like a perfect example of a team, but if they were like had a very cordial relationship with each other. If they saw anybody struggling on the project, they will just jump in and take the initiative to help. So the I'll go with the motto, you build your team first and strategies later. That's really solid stuff. And you're laying the foundation for all of that team building and that trust building, what was the impact that it had when the team was interacting with each other and also interacting in service of delivery of an objective? So that had to have some downstream impact. So how did that take shape? Your organization has a culture and your team has a culture. And the who builds up that culture, it's all depend on the leadership, right? So if I'm as a leader, I need to make sure that what culture, what values I would like my team to have as a team. So for me, it was all about accountability, curiosity, compassion, and respect. I, You and I have been talked about when we met, I really want curious people. I don't care about the skill set. I don't care like you, how ex- much experience you have. I'll take the raw talent. I'll get, I gu- I'll guide them. I'll groom them. I'll do everything. But at the end of the day, I really want to see that you have that curious curiosity. You have that zeal to learn. Everything else, I'll take care of it. So that's something I really push my team members also. Try to understand the other person's point of view, like, you know, where they're coming from. For example, developers in QA, you must have heard like different kinds of uh, the city that they usually have. It's their fault, that the fault blame game that continues in the organization. I wanted, I made sure my team stayed up. Yes, you have a problem with the developer, how they are looking into things, but understand like the amount of work they are having, understand where they are coming from. They're also getting pushed from upper management. So how about we'd like to work together? So I push for working together and more like a collaborative culture than my way and your way. Uh, what it sounded like was you talked about the the natural curiosity, the intellectual curiosity. How does that for you drive the conversation around innovation? So curiosity is one definitely, but I said like innovation usually happens with with a trust factor. And I'll tie it down. The why I say the trust factor, because innovation is all about idea generation, collaborative thinking, idea realization. But when you are thinking about like innovation, you come up with these ideas and your team needs to feel comfortable that it doesn't matter how stupid my idea is. Yes, it can get rejected or it might not get listened or it might not be recognized. It might be ignored. But at the end of the day, I have this psychological safety that I can share the idea. I will not be justified, right? I will not be say, I will not say, oh, that's a stupid idea. And what were you thinking? So that's where trust comes in. If you have a team of people, if you have 10 people in a room and they feel very comfortable 
with each other talking discussing the brainstorming will happen the ideas will generate and that's where innovation also comes in picture i think what you're describing is that if you allow your teams to flush out their ideas without any sort of fear and then you come in at the end you're you have a better opportunity to let those ideas continue to flow because the inverse is that if divya comes in the room and says hey i think we should go in this direction there's a greater likelihood that the team is going to say yeah let's go in divya's direction because you're the highest ranking person in the room but what you're describing is you do more of the other which is the latter which is actually saying hey let's hear those ideas and that sort of thing and i think that the other part of it too is that what it sounds like is that there is also a sense of accountability that you've built into this relationship as well too i feel like as a manager or whoever the management level you need to be a conductor rather than playing the music so let the team play the music and you just conduct them that's a really good analogy i think the on the topic of brainstorming or letting your people be the engine of ideas there's an important element of that i think is worth digging into new leaders struggle with is stepping in too soon when the ideas are just starting to formulate themselves and that could be to i think LB referenced it that can be a killer to your innovation efforts so what are some of the things that you've coached younger leaders or newer leaders on what they should do to encourage that idea flow without stepping in too soon what are some of the disciplines that need to be built mentally so you're not interjecting yourself into the ideation process so usually what happens is when you are managing a team and because you are already like part of that engineering role so you tend to do put solution you get into the solution mode right away but as a manager you need to pull yourself out from that situation you know what there is a problem and here is a team i have a great set of people who are more experienced than i am like and they know more than i do so maybe like use their skill sets the way i usually work is i tell them here is a problem figure it out and we have a time bound like you know within this time we need to solve this problem i don't like say okay this is let's have a solution right away let's generate a idea and then we continue keep on working on it we keep improving upon it so one person can give the idea but the other can get suggestions to improve upon it we keep it more agile but at the end of the day the managers need to set a goal they don't need to provide a solution that's something that all the managers need to understand especially the new managers that like taking the position that you were in a technical role now you're in a very different role management is an art technical role is a science thanks divya i think that that what you talk about is really at the end of the day which is really important for new leaders is to create a framework that they'll be able to reference and that will also i think to your point help them to not interject themselves as the engineer versus versus the manager and allow people to have the whole idea of innovation right and coming up with ideas and like you said throw them out there and let's just agree on which ones are the most feasible if you were to If you were to leave the audience with two or three key elements about development and about being a leader, we have new leaders that are listening to us. We also have folks that are mid-career as well. What would you say would be the two or three things that you think are important to move forward, move their careers forward faster? For me, I feel be a lifelong learner. Do not give up on like learning. Every day you have something new to learn. There are like 
The second, I will say, have a mentor or an advocate, definitely. And just keep in positive attitude. Things happen for a reason, but at the end of the day, everything will sort out. Just don't give up too soon. Thank you for that. Being a lifelong learner, continuous learner helps us to keep sharp, stay sharp at what it is that we're doing. We're constantly learning. And I think that's also a part of the whole idea and notion of innovation. And we absolutely appreciate you being with us today and going through all of these different elements. And I hope that everyone will check us out on Cascading Leadership, the show, on their favorite podcast platforms. We're also on social media all over the place. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook. So we, we do appreciate your time today. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.